And here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Tuesday, February the 6th. From depths of old, I cry to thee. If thou rememberest every sin, who then could heaven ever win, or stand before thy And that is, from depths of woe, I cry to thee. We had a choice this particular broadcast. We could either do the hymn selected for the first Sunday in Lent or Ash Wednesday. And because the first Sunday in Lent is a mighty fortress is our God, we've done that a number of times, we chose Ash Wednesday hymn, from depths of woe, I cry to thee. And it's not that we're therefore skipping out on Martin Luther because we're not doing a mighty fortress, but it just so happens from depths of woe, I cry to thee, was also written by Martin Luther in 1523. He was engaged in revising the Latin mass and he expressed his desire for, quote, as many songs as possible in the vernacular, which the people could sing during Mass, immediately after the gradual and also after the Sanctus and Agnus Dei. In fact, it is a superb explication of the proper distinction between the law and the gospel. During Luther's own funeral ceremonies, it was sung. The hymn is commonly used also as a catechetical aid to reinforce the meaning of confession. And it is also used as an introit, a psalm hymn, a gradual between the lessons, and a hymn before the sermon during various seasons of the church year. It is the hymn of the day both for Ash Wednesday and Trinity 21. It's a tremendous hymn of faith and grace dependent entirely on God's word. And for this reason, from depths of woe has brought comfort to generation of believers. In fact, it also inspired J.S. Bach to write choral preludes for organ for each 
part of the catechism, and he included a massive six-voice setting of From Depths of Woe. It was one of Martin Luther's favorite hymns. Is it one of yours, Pastor Smith? Uh, Not particularly, but it is a good one. It's not one of my favorite, but it's a a good hymn, no doubt about it. Yes. uh, Does your church have an Ash Wednesday service? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's the first... First Wednesday of Lent, and uh, Lenten services are always a strong tradition in our church. Have, uh, you're not, you're retired there at that church. Do you know what the theme is for Lent? Uh, let me, you know, I, I asked the pastor that specific question going out of the church last Sunday, and he told me, and it sounded really good, it sounded very interesting, uh, but I can't recall what it was. <laughs> But it sounded good. Well, you can tell us next Tuesday. You bet. Last year, I did the seven words from the cross, and that's pretty good for Lent. This year, I'm doing the seven churches of Revelation. Oh, I've done that myself. That's a a good series. You bet. Yes. Oh, I didn't know you had done it also. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of Lenten themes. Oh, you bet. And a lot, a lot we can learn as we study those seven churches of, uh, of Revelation. Yeah, I'm going to indicate to the four congregations I'm talking to, which church are you most similar to of the seven? Yeah. And we'll see I've what even, they come up with. I've even got a Tenebrae service that's, uh, that's set up on that theme, too, that works oh, real wow. well. Yeah, yeah I... Okay, I'm doing Vespers each week, uh, depending on the weather. Sure. Yeah, I hope we Did have you... good weather tomorrow night. Oh, I know. Wednesday. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that. I got but up without... this morning before about 5.30 to, to shovel my driveway. Boy, I'll tell you, it was a job. I thought you were married. <laughs> no, no. Barb was fast asleep while married? I was... No, yeah, I'm, I'm married, sure, of course, but I don't have her do the driveway. Yeah. Oh no, I I, I, I like for, to. Hey, I like. I'd rather shovel snow than mow the lawn. I was born in Bangor, Maine. I lived in Newfoundland for two years. I spent my high school years in Detroit. Man, shoveling snow is nothing. <laughs> well, I bought Louise a, a lawnmower, a broom, and a shovel, so she likes going out there. I just. Somehow, I just thought that joke would come up this morning. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought you would. So without further ado, stanza one, please. Okay. From depths of woe, I cry to thee in trial and tribulation. Bend down thy gracious ear to me. Lord, hear my supplication. If thou rememberest every sin, who then could heaven ever win? or stand before thy presence. Now, remember, Luther wrote this in German. Who's the translator? Catherine Winkworth, our our friend Catherine Winkworth. She translated so many hymns. Yes, and we've talked about her quite a bit. Yes. So I didn't think we needed to deal too much with her. But this really shows the effect of the law. Yeah, oh, yes. 
yeah, it's it it uh, it's a good it's a good preparation for the gospel. Absolutely. Yes, this is one of the best law and gospel hymns that Luther wrote because it starts off he has great woe because of his trial and tribulation against sin. Therefore, bend down thy gracious ear to me. And the yeah. gracious ear is the opposite of hearing the law. Yeah, I, I see this hymn going well uh, as a confessional hymn before we hear the, the absolution in the service. Oh, that's a good point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll do stanza two. Thy love and grace alone avail to blot out my transgression. The best and holiest deeds must fail to break sin's dread oppression. Before thee none can boasting stand, but all must fear thy strict demand and live alone by mercy. Now, Stanza 1 talks about God's grace. Stanza 2 talks about mercy. You got any idea of the difference? Well, actually, the first verse, it's it's preparatory. I don't... Uh, if thou rememberst every sin, who then could heaven ever win or stand before the... In other words, the first verse kind of... It kind of brings us to our knees. It, 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 it makes us realize... Boy, if I were depending upon my own merit or my own works, I wouldn't have a chance. Who could even stand before him? Then the second verse, uh, then then you get the gospel. Thy love and grace alone avail. There's no way, no way we could merit by trying to appease him or, or earn our salvation. To our, 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 his own love and grace avails to blot out my transgression. The best and holiest deeds must fail. No matter no matter what we try, no matter what we do, no matter what we accomplish that we think is so great, those deeds are going to fail to appease God, to break sin's dread oppression. Before thee, none can boast. None can boasting stand, but all must fear thy strict demand. If we're going to boast before him, there we have no hope. We can only fear his demand. There's no way we can... Uh, no way we can uh, uh, atone and, and live alone by mercy. That's the only way we live is, is by mercy in Christ. And what's important is the first verse does talk about that God's grace would be able to be heard by Luther. And so I yeah. was asking, what's the difference between grace and mercy? Grace is, uh, uh, let's see, grace and mercy is, uh, now you're asking me that that question you always ask, right? Yep. (laughs) Justice, mercy, and grace. Justice Justice is? When we we get what we deserve. Excellent. Mercy. And uh, grace, grace is when we get, what we don't deserve, right? And Let's mercy. See. And mercy is uh, when we don't we don't get punished as we should. We don't get what we deserve. We don't get what we deserve, right? Yeah, excellent. 
Yeah, I forget those from time to time. Just how how you how you try to verbalize those. I I understand the concepts. I just I forget sometimes how to how to verbalize them as you like. Yes. Well, it's a way of helping people to understand because a lot of the liturgy, we ask God to be merciful to us. What we're asking him is not to do against us what we deserve. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Give me what I don't deserve, which is your mercy. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Stanza three, please. Therefore, my hope is in the Lord and not in my own merit. It rests upon his faithful word to them of contrite spirit, that he is merciful and just. This is my comfort and my trust. His help I wait with patience. Now, one of the lines is that he is merciful, and then he says, and just. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? We need to make a distinction between the two justices. Yeah. The just that we were talking about is what every religion believes, that you get what you deserve, and therefore you better be good. Whereas this just is talking about that God just did not say your sins are forgiven. He justly forgave your sins by placing his son on the cross. And therefore, there was a reason why our sins are forgiven. Yes. Could you could you also understand it a different way? Let me ask you. Sure. Uh, it's important that he's merciful toward us. That is absolutely, that is what we depend upon, that he's merciful. Uh, isn't it also our hope that when uh, people are wicked and abuse us and taunt us and uh, and hurt us, doesn't it, doesn't our hope also rest on the fact that you know God will God will uh, take care of them too? What's the Bible verse? It begins with vengeance. Vengeance is mine; I will repay, saith the Lord. Yes. Yeah. And notice and, and that, that that notice that that is a promise. And yes. That's very important. That in one of the lines here, it talks about, this is my comfort and my trust. Once more, we get the Reformation theme. We're saved not by our works we do, but by the faith in which we believe the promises. That's right. This is a great catechetical hymn to help people understand exactly what the catechism is all about. All right, I'll read four. Now, that, and, there's some, I've got questions as we get to the end of this. Go ahead. And though it tarry through the night until the morning waken, my heart shall never doubt his might nor count itself for nor count itself forsaken. O Israel, trust in God your Lord, born of the Spirit and the Word. Now wait for his appearing. And your question? Yes, the question is, it's kind of interesting. You've got, um, O Israel, which of course is the church. He's speaking of the church. All of us are, are Israel. O Israel, trust in God your Lord born of the Spirit 
and the Word. Well, now, can you clarify which person of the deity he's talking about? Trust, trust in God, your Lord. Uh, is that talking about Jesus, or is that talking about the Ancient of Days, God the Father? Uh, because it says also, born of the Spirit and the Word. Now, Word is capitalized, which means, leads me to think that that's, that that's Jesus. Born, and, and he's also born, conceived, uh, conceived and uh, born of the Virgin Mary, but uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit. So do you understand my question there? I always just think of the Apostles' Creed, that this is just summarizing, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And that came about because of the word of God that Gabriel said to Mary. So that's how I understand that part. Okay, born of the Spirit and the Word. The, Apart is the word from the talking Word. About Jesus? Is the Word talking about Jesus there? The Word is capitalized. Uh, it says born of and the Word. The spirit. So yeah. I would say the Word really refers to the Holy Spirit's and Gabriel's Word yeah, from the Father. Yeah. Yeah, That's that, how I would yeah. look at that. Yeah, that makes that makes pretty good sense. Yes, I just wondered. It's a little bit, uh, I, I, you know, that brought some questions to me. Well, my question to you is: It says, "My heart shall never doubt His might." Wait a minute. Don't we doubt His might every time we sin? Let's see. Where does it say that? My doubt. My heart shall never doubt His might. Um. Yeah, we have faith even in the midst of doubt. Uh, my heart shall never doubt his might, Are we, nor count what itself forsaken. To, well, what happens to a listener who hears that and knows that their heart does doubt his might? Well, th that's a good point. I would say uh, uh, this is hmm, that's a good one. My heart shall never. Well, I think we need to stress to people that, hey, look. We we still have faith even in the midst of doubt. We're, we all suffer from doubt. I think that needs to be needs to be said. And uh, my heart shall never doubt. I think that that person that's that's talking about faith um, that clings to his promise no matter what. But every time what we sin, think, we're not clinging to his promise. What what was that? What was that you said? Every time we sin, we are not clinging to his promise. So I'll tell you my explanation. Okay, go ahead. It's what David said. Create in me a... Clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Okay, yeah. That is the heart that never doubts. Okay. Create not in me our, a clean heart, O God. Yes, that right. not not our regular heart, our our fleshly heart, so to speak, but uh, the heart that He has given us does never doubt, because that was given in baptism right. or through conversion, and we trust therefore the promises of God. So that's how I understood that. Okay. All right, stanza five, please. Though great our sins, yet greater still is God's abundant favor. 
His hand of mercy never will abandon us nor waver. Our shepherd good and true is he who will at last his Israel free from all their sin and sorrow. Now, there are many titles to God. This one he's using shepherd. Yes, right. And that's really coming. We haven't talked about that this much, but this is really a hymn based on Psalm 130. In fact, um, each of the stanza reflects two verses of each of that hymn. And by the way, Stanza 5 was not originally written. Luther added that later on. So he only Uh had four stanzas at the beginning. And this fifth stanza he added because he wanted once more to show the abundant favor that we receive. I could see him adding that verse just to to make sure that everybody knew uh even though our sins are great where where sin did abound god's grace did much more abound right yes yes this distinction between our works and god's favor he uses the word favor here which yeah. could be grace his mercy uh his long standing patience etc and who will at last his israel free now A lot of people take that word Israel to refer to the country of Israel. Oh, that's the church. Yes. And what's the Bible verses that one could show people that that is the church? Oh, let's see. A good Bible verse to show that the church, that Israel is a church. Uh, I'll start it off. You'll remember it. Yeah. Not not all Israel is... Is of Israel, yes. Very good. Excellent. Yeah, Yeah, I thought of that same verse myself. He took it right out of my mouth. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Not not all of Israel. In other words, uh, you can be you can be descendant from you could be descendant from Abraham. You could be uh, a citizen of the state of Israel, but uh, not necessarily. You may not necessarily be a member of the church. It's it's by faith that we're that we're members of of Israel, the true Israel. And in that passage from Romans, not all Israel is of Israel, he makes a distinction between the two Israels. The one looks to their relationship to Abraham. Yes. And remember what Jesus said? If if that's all that's necessary, God can make, you know, a genealogy. Sons of Abraham from these stones. From these stones he can bring up sons of Abraham. Right. But the true Israel are those who follow Isaac and the promises given through him. Right. So it's a distinction between pharisaical thinking that I'm saved by my works, I'm good enough, better than the tax collectors, etc., versus I'm saved by the work of Jesus Christ, even though yeah. I don't deserve it. And Tom, isn't it also important to point out that this is speaking who will at last, on the last day, his Israel will be, will be raised and glorified from all their sin and sorrow. That, isn't that referring, of course, to uh, when he comes again to raise all, raise all of his people, raise all yes. the dead? Yes, 
And, and that is something you have to believe. I, I can't imagine being in heaven and not having a selfish thought. Yeah, no kidding. But we know that that's possible because of all the angels did not that did not fall from grace. Right. None of them have a selfish thought, and they just enjoy being in the company of Jesus Christ. Right, right. Okay. From depths of woe I cry to thee, a great Lenten hymn, as you indicated. I'm looking forward to it, Tom. Well, looking forward to Lent. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to be taking a look at Open Mic Friday. Uh, my email is working again. It wasn't for a few weeks. But you can email us at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. I'm Tom Baker, and with me was Reverend Mark Smith. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.